welcome to today's episode of The Pig in Parlor. Today is Friday, January 14th, 2022, and I am your host, Maximilian Pensorn, but you can call me Max. Here in this podcast, we explore a variety of things related to paganism. At this point, I would like to give a notice and reminder that paganism is a broad term that envelops many different pantheons and belief systems, and as such, this podcast will be focused on paganism as a whole and not on any specific branch of it. Each episode contains a short lesson on a stone or metal, a pagan promotion section, a story, myth, or legend, a segment I like to call Keeping Up with the Christians, and you, which you will hopefully find amusing as well as informative on what the Christians are up to lately, and an audience Q&A segment. This week, I will have to apologize as I am a little late in recording and releasing the episode as I spent several hours of my day trying to help a friend clear his blocked sewage drain, and so did not have a chance to record until after midnight, and thus missed my standard deadline for release. Hopefully this will be a one-time occurrence, and I will not be posting too many future episodes off schedule. Now, since we're all busy people, we'll jump straight in with a quick ritual. This ritual is intended to join the energies of the listeners in with the energies of the host and the same in reverse, as well as basic protections from the ill intentions of others. Feel free to join in at home, or wherever and whenever you find yourself. I will now light a candle, and as I do so, I invite in all beings of good intent into the ritual space. Humans gods and goddesses, spirits and the fae. Come and join together in good nature and to play. Come old, come young, come scarred and burned. It matters little when there's a lesson to be learned. Come in good faith and you will be safe. But come with ill intent and your mind shall get bent. Bring us together in storms and good weather. Keep us from pain and from those who are sane. For the harm of none and the good of many, we call to the gods, and they are many. Blessed are we, so mote it be. This week, the stone suggested for research by our designated stone selector, Kip, from the Sorcerer's Guild on Facebook, is hematite. As such, let's get ready to learn something magical. This week's lesson uses information that comes from welldivined.com and wikipedia.org. Hematite is a crystallized form of common iron oxide, which is commonly found in rocks and soils. This crystal naturally occurs in black as well as steel and silver gray colors, and is both slightly magnetic and conducts electricity. Additionally, hematite is harder than regular iron, but much more brittle, breaking similarly to glass. It rates between a 5.5 and a 6.5 on the hardness scale, and is largely mined as a source of iron ore. In a metaphysical sense, hematite corresponds with the planets of Mars and Saturn, as well as the astrological signs of Aries and Aquarius. Additionally, hematite corresponds with the elements of Earth and Fire and the Hellenistic deity Ares, god of courage and war. The stone is primarily used for grounding, 
As the stone's strong energies bring you closer to the earth, additionally, hematite enhances your focus in daily life and brings your being into balance. This stone can help you to provide you with a controlled confidence and a non-violent courage that allows you to be strong and yet kind. Finally, this stone is also known for its ability to defend one against negative energies, and so... As they mentioned with it being an excellent grounding stone, it's an excellent stone for keeping on your person when you suspect you're going to be under psychic attack or around energy vampires or generally any place or around anyone that's very draining. Now, hematite in and of itself is relatively harmless, not being known for any specific toxicity or hazards. It is, however, made out of iron, and as such, if for whatever reason you decide to consume it, you should be aware that the human body can only hold up to a certain amount of iron before health problems can manifest. So don't be a dumbass and die from eating your crystals. Next, we have our Pagan promotion section. Herein, I will highlight one person of interest, celebrity, or Pagan-owned business per week. This week, we are highlighting a pagan organization known as Bronx Witch. This office space, located on Grand Concourse in the Bronx of New York, is focused on bringing spiritual services, products, classes, and events to their local community. As this location, one can find anything from tarot readers to Reiki practitioners, herbal teas, and more. They seek to bring spiritual wellness and support to a massively underserved community, and they are also both a black-owned and female-owned business. So you can be certain that any support to the business that you send them does not go towards facilitating the generational wealth of the elites. If you are looking for a place to donate to, check them out at bronxwitch.com. And if you are looking for and if you are in the area, go ahead and drop by and check them out. section is on stories, myths, and legends. In this portion of the podcast, I will retell a legend, myth, or story related to the gods, magic, or anything else that I feel to be paganism related. Information for today's story comes from StoryNori.com. This story is titled, The Boy Who Flew Too High. Daedalus was a brilliant man being both an architect and an inventor of no small achievement. Indeed, he was so skilled that after King Minos of Crete hired him to build him a labyrinth that was nigh impossible to solve in which to lock up his prisoners, instead of allowing him to return home to Athens, he imprisoned him and his son Icarus within a tower of his palace. There King Minos forced him to invent many different weapons of war, in order to make his armed forces more potent and powerful. Although Daedalus and his son Icarus had every comfort they could want for within the tower, he longed to return to his home in Athens, and his son longed to run in the open and play, rather than being confined to the tower all the time. One day, as Daedalus looked out over the waves of the Mediterranean Sea, he realized that even if they were to escape the tower, and if they were to get a hold of a small boat, they would not get far 
before being spotted and recaptured by the king's navy. He thought long and hard, spending many days thinking up the best way to escape, before he finally came up with his plan. The day after settling the final details in his mind, he asked King Minos for feathers to make pillows to increase their comfort, and wax to make candles, so that they could continue to work on the, his inventions during the night time. When he had received these items, he did indeed make a few pillows and candles, so that the guards could see that he was doing as he had stated with the materials. Meanwhile, he continued to work on his projects for the king, and in secret, by night, he began to join the feathers together, with sewing thread in the middle of the feathers and wax at their base, forming them into gentle curves as he layered them carefully. It took several days and nights before his secret work was finally completed, and he showed them to his son Icarus in delight, two magnificent pairs of feathered wings. Going to the roof and fastening them to his and his son's arms, he began to flap his arms until his feet began to lift off the floor and he began to hover. Icarus laughed excitedly and could not wait to try out his own pair. And so, over the next several days, Daedalus and his son would go to the roof and practice with their wings until Icarus was almost as skilled with them as his own father was. Soon after, the day came that Daedalus said to Icarus that it was finally time, and they were ready to leave the island for good. He warned his son that he would need to be cautious, and that flying would be dangerous despite their skills. He then told him to follow him closely and not to veer off course until they had gone all the way home to Athens. He also told him that he should never fly either too low, lest his wings become heavy with water, nor too high, lest the sun melt the wax that holding his wings together. After verifying to his father that he understood, Icarus and his father went up to the battlements and jumped off into the air, flapping their arms. Now, had they been seen by, say, a fisherman or a shepherd, they would have looked liked like two very strange birds hovering above the waves, and they would have likely even thought that they might have caught sight of some winged gods. None would have suspected that it was the mortal man Daedalus and his son who had learned to fly as birds. They flew over the seas, and at first Icarus was very much afraid because he had never ventured very far during their practice flights. But soon his fears fell away as he discovered that he was really very good at flying, and so he began to swoop up and down with the eagles in delight. Seeing this, his father warned him to be careful, and Icarus obeyed, at least for a while, flapping along behind his father dutifully. Soon enough, though, his wings caught a current of warm air, and he discovered that he could fly forward while rising with very little effort. He flew higher and higher, 
until the ship's load looked nothing but dots to him. Again his father called out to him, warning him to come down. But this time Icarus was too far away and could not hear his father's words. As the heat of the sun began to melt the wax of his wings, some of the feathers began to fall, and his wings began losing shape. Icarus frantically flapped, but it was to no avail. His wings were too far gone, and his father too far away to reach him in time. And so it was that Icarus plunged into the sea and was drowned. That was the story of the boy who flew too close to the sun. Next week, we'll have a story from the Norse mythology. But for now, it's time to move on to the next segment. Now let's move on to the next segment, which I like to call Keeping Up with the Christians. In this segment, I take a look at what the Christians are doing lately and dissect it from a non-Christian's point of view. Part of this is just a report on their goings-on, and part of this is making fun of them, so I hope you enjoy it. This week in Keeping Up with the Christians, according to an article on WITF.org, a state senator from Pennsylvania by the name of Doug Mastriano decided to announce his candidacy for governor on January 6th, and while doing so, he managed to offend a great many people. He decided to utilize a shofar, or a ritually used ram horn used by those of the Jewish faith in specific religious observances. This is not Christianity's first time appropriating symbols of other faiths for their own uses, and it's certainly not surprising to find out that this Christian senator has no problem trotting over the beliefs of others, as he was one of those who marched on the Capitol on January 6th of the previous year. In other news, an article on the Vatican News website states that the Pope has once again spoken to the people. This time, his message is that work is necessary for spiritual growth and likens those who work in mines and factories to the saints and apostles, and goes on to say that we express ourselves and find meaning through work. Now, I don't know about you guys, but this sounds like the words of someone who has never had their soul ground away day after day by a manual labor job until some days you just wish you could get hit by a stray bus. I mean, honestly. So many of us have had to scratch out an existence through working until we do not have the time or energy to have any other meaning to our lives. And yet you want us to say that work gives us meaning? You mean that in your eyes the only meaning that we have is to help the rich get richer. But is anyone surprised by that either? Finally, a good bit of news this time. In response to the January 6th Capitol riot, the military of the United States is taking action by utilizing new rules regarding extremism to remove people from the military who are religious extremists. Now, one might question why this is relevant, or newsworthy even. The qu reason is that because this time they are including Christian extremism as the same as any of the others, while drawing connections between Christian extremism and the attack on the Capitol last year. 
the Christians are fuming, stating that this is a ploy to remove faith and religion from the military as opposed to people with extremist views. However, that does not seem to be the case. In either event, it's never bad to see the Christians taken down a notch. Well, that's it for Keeping Up with the Christians for today. Tune in next week and find out the latest Christian drama. Now it's time for audience Q&A. This week, I did not receive any inquiries or questions to respond to. To anyone who wants to chime in, if you want to ask questions, leave comments, suggestions, send in content suggestions, or even just send me death threats and hate mail because you're a butthurt Christian and can't stand to hear me talking smack about your religion, please feel free to send them in at paganparlor1313 at gmail.com. You can find my email address in the description section. Well, that's all I have for today. Links to the podcast will be posted in the Sorcerer's Guild and the Pagan Daily News Facebook groups, thanks to gracious permissions from group admins. Also, if you haven't yet, make sure to check out the Pagan Parlor Facebook page and the Pagan Parlor Facebook group to stay up to date on the current episodes and discuss their content with other listeners as well as myself. Thank you for tuning in to the Pagan Parlor. Finally, I'd like to say again that any questions, comments, suggestions, or death threats can be sent to paganparlor1313 at gmail.com. The whole of the law shall be do as thou wilt, but harm none. Blessed be, and don't forget to blow out your candles. (sighs) 